1: رصيد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال الله تعالى في كتاب من الشيطان بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والزيتون سينين البلد الأمين لقد خلقنا الإنسان في أحسن تقويم ثم رددناه أسفل Allah الله He told us in the Quran in a surah which we all know. Uh, he told us and he first swore upon the tour and the sinin, he said by the fig and the olive and the mount uh, of Sinai and by Hadal Balad Al amin, the city of security, we created man, أخل- Allah said, we created man in the best form, and then we degraded him to the lowest of the low. So Allah here, He highlights the reality of insan, that in fact we are the best of creation, but we can go to the lowest of the low and we can debase ourselves and become people who are lowly even than the animals. And Allah told us in another verse of the Quran how we become worse than the cattle, worse than the animals. And one of the features and one of the issues that we see by which human beings degrade themselves is when they commit injustice, zulm, and crime in this world that we live in. And bi today I want to focus upon this topic. I want to talk about the reality of the crime in the society in which we live and in the wider world and address what are the causes for this. Not only the symptoms, because people chase the symptoms today. We need to look at the cause for this crime and the rampant crime that is taking place in this very city in which we live. And then address how does Islam solve, or what are the solutions that Allah has revealed to solve the problem of crime. So when I was coming here today, I just wanted to review the newspaper and look at the type of crimes every single day we see. right? So in East London, in fact, today in the Evening Standard, there is a full page spread, almost full page, about a man who tried to stop a fight in a, in a shisha lounge somewhere in East London, in in Goodmayes recently, just yesterday, and he was stabbed to death. Okay, so we have nice crime happening, where a lot of youth are getting involved in that. We have another, a gang that beat up, your know, 14, 15 year old kids, beat up an Indian uh, foreign student, who was about 20 or something years old, walking down the street, they just beat him up, right? And in another page in the paper, we had a woman, an innocent woman who was walking Some uh, somebody on a cycle, when tight past her, punched her, and then hit her on the head with a hammer. Her, her head was fractured. So all of these problems, they are daily occurrence. This is a reality daily in this society. All of us must know, if we ourselves have not been touched by crime, we must know others within our street, within our community, within our friends, within our family, that have been. So it's such a rampant issue that tr- crime is everywhere in this society. Now, when we look at the official statistics in this country, right, even though when we look at our countries, the way that they portray themselves, is that they are the, you know, the greatest civilization on earth, the most civilized people. When they go into Syria, when they go to Iraq, when they go to Pakistan, or India, or Bangladesh, all our countries, the way they act, and the way sometimes, you know, our our brothers and sisters in those countries perceive them, is that, look, in Britain, the, the streets are paved with gold. You know, we saw what was happening in France. People are just camping out trying to get here. Most of them from the Muslim world. Okay? So, when we understand the true reality of this society, it is as Allah talked about, al Kabut in the Qur'an, the house of the spider. It looks very nice. There is, you know, all these fancy things. But when it, indeed, when we look at its core, it is the weakest kind of house. It is a house that could be destroyed easily. And when we look at this society from their own statistics, so the Office, Office of National Statistics, when we look at the, the figures just over the last year, so in 2015 they published the figures, there were 6.8 million incidents of crime in England and Wales. 6.8 million, nearly 7 million cases of crime. When they bro- broke that down, Nearly 100,000, about 900,000 related to what vehicle related theft, okay? We look at violence, so this violence like, you know, these youngsters being stabbed, all types of violent offences, there are over 800,000, 885,000 violent offences within the country. And domestic burglary, you know, I w- walked to my house one day, so usually sometimes what I do is ring the intercom so the family gets ready, so I rang the intercom I walked in the door was wide open. So what's going on? Right the door's wide open nobody in I walked upstairs and I said salam like I usually do I hear nothing I thought oh, I thought maybe the children left the door open. I walked upstairs went around and every, you know things were open things were moved around so what's going on? And then I realized that look I so that I rang my wife saying what's going on and she said oh, no I'm not at home. I said did you leave the door open no? So I looked around and found that, you know, uh, an equivalent of an iPad, basically a tablet, was missing. So I couldn't find anything else. The drawers were open, but nothing else was taken. So then when we called the police, they said, okay, nowadays, you have a new type of burglar. Right? There's a new type. What they have done, and they said this is very, very common in Central London, very common. What they have done is they have already sold, they've pre-sold, right? Things that they can grab quickly. So I said, but why did they leave the gold? Like the wife's jewelry, everything, they left the gold. Said that what they do is they have a shopping list in their mind, something they have pre-sold, things that they can get rid of quickly. Right? So what they would do is they get into the house, look at technological things, take that, run off. Right? Maybe they said, maybe when I called the intercom, they were inside and they ran out from another exit. That's why they didn't have time to take other things. But so we see, we are all, you know, uh, we are all at that end of crime. We see crime. Uh, in our society everywhere and when we look at the other more very disturbing types of crime and, and we see the hypocrisy in the press in the media they talk about you know islam and the threat of extremism and there's so much sensationalism now i was talking to one of my colleagues at work and one of their relatives relatives doesn't travel on the train or tube anymore because they are too scared i said scared of what like they said no no they're very anxious i said scared of what they said they're scared of extremism or like a terrorist plot Right? So, so much anxiety about how many, you know, plots have there been, how many attacks have there been, right? What they should be, instead of this, you know, false war on terror, if we look at the level of crime in this country against the women, okay? And they talk about, they point the finger at Islam. We saw on Oxford Street the other day, one of the Muslim sisters her, Kimar, was ripped off. And there are many incidents happening now. Let's look at this society and what's happening. This is an official report by the ministry of justice the office of national statistics and the home office in january 2013 they did a first time they did a a proper report in understanding what is the true nature because most of the crimes against or, or of a nature against uh, the dignity of women and men that type of crime is underreported totally so they did an analysis they said approximately 85000 women and 12000 men have been dishonored by rape in England and Wales this is the type of statistic if we look at what that is that is 11 of those acts every single hour if you count that up 11 every single hour and then they talk about other things right so this is a level of crime in this society one in five women has been uh, attacked in some form in that way between the age of 16 and 59 this does discounts people under the age of 16 Okay, one in five women in this society. So one-fifth of the women in the society. And then they point at the Muslim woman and say, and, and you have this Burkini uh, controversy in France and you have all these controversies about the Muslim woman's dress code. Okay, they should look at their own society and the types of values. Everyone was going crazy about Donald Trump and his comments on women, right, recently. I'm sure all of you are seeing that in the media. The problem is, when we will go into the depths of it, Donald Trump's justification for what he did is actually true. He goes, well, this is just locker room talk. Everyone talks like that. Meaning, the whole society is like that. They know that. That's why, you know, that that goes down with the men in the society. Because the society is perverse. The society is like that. The way they look at women is as objects. That is the problem. And therefore, the crime for them, they are one step away. He was talking about crimes. He was talking openly, yeah, I would do this, I would do that. Right? So when we look at the society, they have fundamental problems. And now, unfortunately, the way that the governments in the West and even in the Muslim world, because they just imitate, they are imitators. They have no independent thought in the Muslim world, right? They do not have an independent legal system, independent criminal justice. In India, Pakistan, in Bangladesh, if you go to the court, you think you can speak Urdu in the court? You can speak Bengali in the court? The court is in English. Why? It's just a crazy, if you think about it, the normal public cannot speak English, the general masses cannot speak English. When they go to the court, they have to speak English, but it's an imitated system. The entire legal system, they even wear the wigs and the robes and everything. The whole legal system is just colonial. It's from the British Times, it's the same system. They just imitate. So when we look at our countries and these countries, when they try to solve these problems, they talk about solving the symptoms of crime okay not the asbab not the causes they're not looking at the causes of crime so when we look at in america this crazy gun, gun crime right it's so obvious when we look at that society it's a lethal cocktail you have a society where you have separated religion from the values of people in the society so religion is only for the home and the house and when it comes to law and order when it comes to the way you view life you know religion shouldn't be the basis for that Okay, so when it comes to that society, we have what? We have the concept of freedom, do whatever you want. Okay, like Rasulullah ﷺ said, The dunya is a prison for the believer. We live within the consciousness of taqwa. We live within the bounds of the Islamic sharia. We live within a, a concept and a consciousness of taqwa. Whereas for them it's a Freedom, do whatever you want. It's the jannah for them. Do whatever they want. So in that type of society, we see the gun crime. Now the way that America wants to address that, even though it has the highest prison population in the world, over 2 million people, they say, okay, let's now maybe talk about... So Hillary Clinton said, oh, maybe we put some restrictions on guns. So even that is trying to address the thing, the tool. Or like in this country, they talk about knife crime, so they ban certain lengths of knives. Right? It's not the object the object is not the cause. When they talk about other types of crime and prostitution, they talk about, we should increase street lighting. As if that's going to solve the cause. The cause is not the thing. Okay, the cause is what? The cause is the ideas and the beliefs, the concepts that they hold. The whole way they view life. There was an article recently by George Monbi, a very good article about donald trump is a reflection of american society that's the issue he's actually a reflect he's not he's not the abnormal he's just the more caricature figure of the actual the whole society whether it's hillary or him are two sides of the same coin the whole system from its roots right so when he is that they're attacking each other look at your husband look at you look at they're talking about what their own character their whole society is like that and this society as well right this society has the same values of living life to the maximum, doing, enjoy yourself, do whatever you want. The concepts of freedom, individualism. That is the cause of crime. Right? That is the true cause of crime, what we see in the society, and therefore it cannot be solved just by you increasing some punishments here or there. Right? That's what they try to do in America. They have very harsh punishments for drugs, for theft. They are very much harsher than here. That's why the prisons are totally full. Right? In this country there are maybe you know, just around about 90 to 100,000 people. There you have two million, over 2 million people in prison. It's a huge prison population. It's increasing. Because they can't solve it from the root. Okay? So when we look at this as Muslims, we need to realize that Allah mm-hmm. he has given us wa لِلنَّاسِ min <الْخُدَة> He He's given a guidance for mankind and clear proofs of this guidance. The Quran has given us a solution, not just a theoretical one, not just for praying and fasting, for how we can solve crime as a real issue in society. So in the in the time of Rasul Sallallahu he was living in Mecca where they used to do all types of crimes as well. Right? What did they used to do? They used to bury their daughters. This is a crime. It's a murder of children. Why? Because dishonour, they still do that in India. India is the only country of the world in the world where you have a disproportionate uh, amount of women as compared to men there are more men than women in the society why infanticide they kill the daughter still if you go to a doctor there to to check the birth uh, to check the gender of the child it is banned officially they still do it illegally you just pay you know 500 rupees to a doctor they'll do it for you and then they just abort the child right so this is a murder it's a type of murder on a roof on a soul you know, that was happening in times of Prophet ﷺ. We found cheating in the marketplaces. We find all types of zina. We find all types of jahiliya happening. So, Rasul ﷺ, he came as a mercy for mankind with a system of mercy. وَمَا Illa إِلَّا رَحْمَةِ alamin. This is a rahma. We hear it in every khutbah. Right? The rahma, the rahma does not mean a theoretical rahma. The rahmah is the justice of Allah. The justice of the shade of Allah. You hear it if you listen to the Jummah Khutbah carefully, you will hear the Imam sometimes because they just repeat the Khutbahs from the old days, from the time of Khilafah. They're just reading the Khutbah. So you will hear, listen for this statement. They say, Al Imam al Adil wa fil What does it mean? The Imam, the, the Khalifa, the ruler of the Muslims is Adil. He is just in the shade of Allah on the earth. Why? Because there is a hadith in the Sunnah of Bayhaqi. Uh, Rasul said, he said the Sultan, الأرض, the Sultan, the one who rules or the Islamic authority is the shade of Allah on the earth upon which all of the oppressed people of the world, they gather under that shade. So, in the old days, they put that as part of the khutbah. So, the Imam is just reciting that, right? As if he's reciting, but where is the Imam? The question is, we should go to Imam Sabi, you told us. The Imam is Adil and is the Dillah of Allah. Where is the Imam? Which Imam? You? Where? Which Imam? There is no imam, there is no system. So that system Rasul ﷺ established in Medina, and that system continued. And if we look at the details of that system, indeed Allah Jalla has revealed the best system to solve the issue of crime, such that, and it's not, it's not a theory that when we see, even until today, even until today in the Muslim world, where even though Islam has gone, that system has gone, there may be some parts of it left here or there. Even in some countries, like you can still, when it's time for salah, you can leave your stock and go and pray. People are not going to rob it. Even, even in a society in which the non-Islamic laws are governing, but because the Islamic aqeedah is so deep-rooted and Islam was established, we find the influence still upon the people. So, what is the mechanism, or what are the mechanisms that Allah has revealed to solve the problem of crime? Number one. It is the taqwa of the believer. Okay? The first barrier to the crime is the taqwa. If we look at the emphasis of taqwa we find the, the, the derivatives of the word taqwa mentioned in the Quran over two hundred times. We hear it in the khutbah as well, a very common ayahullah dinaam tamutunna illa Oh you who believe have the taqwa of Allah, have the God consciousness or have the the, the consciousness of Allah and die not except in the state that you are believers. So taqwa is a important and a paramount concept for us because for us as believers, we realize that we are not free. Allah Azza wa He told us wa nafsi wa fa wa taqwaha. Within the human being, there is a potential of good and bad. We don't have the idea of the West that you should free man, and that will be good for society. That's the idea right you should just free man give them the freedoms and then you will lead to goodness no we realize man has the potential allah said we have guided you to the two paths either the path of evil of battle or the path of khair, of goodness there are two paths in front of you you have to choose that so in islam we have the concept of taqwa but not only taqwa alone the second concept we have so there are some people from their own taqwa and God consciousness, they will be afraid of Allah and they will not commit the crime. Right? There will be a category of people within the Islamic society when we are building that atmosphere within our children, from young, within the education. The media is not going to be like the media today, pumping out all this agitation of the instincts and then they talk about how come the crime rate is going up. Right? They are pumping out all of those things. The media in the Islamic society is pushing out what? The Islamic concepts. Okay, he's talking about Islamic sciences, the Qur'an, the hadith, the tafsir, the seerah, all of these things. The lessons from the Anbiya, from the previous prophets, the stories of the companions. Those are the things pushed in the society, in the media and in the education. Okay, in the education system when they go to school. So that's engendered in the public. But not only that, it is also part of the public opinion. So this is the second barrier. The first barrier is the taqwa of the individual. The second barrier is the public opinion. Now, Islam encourages this. In this society is the opposite. In this society, unfortunately, within our community, we have that problem. Many people figure out how to do some fraud, and they are the first to tell their close friends how to do it. Right? They help each other in doing it. They make the ta'awun, the cooperation in what? In itham and udwan, not in bir and taqwa, as the Qur'an says. So they will figure something out how to scam the system, and they will tell their friends, yes, this is how you do it. Right? When we were young, we used to hear all those things. When we, we were young, we used to have the payphones. Somebody figure out how to scam the payphone. They tell all their friends, you do this, do this, you get all the coins out, you can get more credit. Right? This is the way the society operates. Whereas in Islam, it's not like that. There is a concept, You have been created as the ummah of justice to be witnesses over mankind. You are the best nation. Okay, why? Because you enjoying the ma'ruf, you enjoy the good and you forbid the evil. So in Islam, the concept of responsibility, Amr al Ma'ruf or Nahi al Munkar, this is part of the obligations, is one of the greatest obligations of the Deen. Enjoying the good and forbidding the evil. So in Islam, it's not that we help each other in sin, we will stop each other from munkar and evil. Rasulullah said the believer is like a mirror. He wipes his brother's mistake. Okay? We are mirrors to each other. We see our brother's mistake. We say, look, if he is swearing, he is using bad language, he is talking about like Donald Trump, his friend on the bus was saying, do this, do this, do this. Right? We will say, look, what are you doing? This is, don't speak like that. We will stop. We refrain each other. It is part of the ahkam of Allah, it is part of the responsibility. Okay? So the second barrier to crime is the public opinion. Okay, and even that to 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 some extent you know there is those barriers to an extent in Muslim communities in the Muslim world today. I, I'll give you an example. one of my friends from Jordan he told me that he said that his sister was going in the market in Jordan, and somebody tried to just you know say something to her, like try to a man, tried to say something bad to her she just he said he, she just took her shoe. And just uh, you know, shouted ag- against a man, threw her shoe on him, the whole public just jumped on the guy. right? You know, these are, if we, if from our own communities, if you think back home, that is a reality. That there is a concept of you know, responsibility, honor of the woman and things like this. To an extent, we're not saying he's holistically there, but in the Islamic society, in a truly Islamic society under a Khilafah, under a proper system, that is much stronger. It is much stronger. It's not like today when a Fasik and a fajr is, is you know somebody was telling me when we we're coming here in the car that one of the mosque committees or something like they are have got a group friends of Sadiq Khan or something like this or part of Sadiq is the mayor. So they are they are aligning with the Fasik and a fajr and a, you know somebody aligning with the uh, people of Liwak, the people of Komelut right standing with them in the in, in the Notting Hill Carnival and all these things standing with them. So they are like that in, in the masjid. It's not like, Islam is not like that. If there is a Fasik in a Fajr, you, the community becomes so distant from them. You will not marry your daughters from them. They will become outcasts. Allah, Allah talks about fixed. We don't realize. The old Fuqaha, you know today, you know we have marriage and, and things, people don't think about this. Some of the old Fuqaha, they said, the condition for the witness is what? The witness must be adil. He must be just. So when you get married, you know the two witnesses must be adil. So the condition of adala is, ma- is what? So they say, they say some of them say, he cannot be fasiq. in fasiqum If the fasiq brings you news, if somebody is an open sinner, he brings you news, check it, you cannot even trust his testimony. So how can he be a, a witness in the marriage? But today, if he, is, if he is selling alcohol in Tesco, or he is working in a restaurant and selling alcohol, according to Islam, it's fisk. But no, 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 there's no problem with that. He's got double mortgage on his house or all sorts of things. No, 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 he's a fasik according to the sharia. You know? But they say, no, no, it's okay. You know, what can can we do? So, Islam has a concept of public opinion. Fisk is mentioned in the Quran. It's like such a bad thing. You don't want to associate with people like that. Even actually in the sharia, it is haram to be a close friend to a fasik in a fajr. You cannot even be close friend. You cannot even be the intimate friend of this. So if somebody is like that, we have to keep them at arm's length. We can be acquaintances of this. So the Sharia, this is the way it operates. Now the last thing which we will talk about and we will elaborate is that once somebody is not conscious of taqwa and they are not conscious of uh, you know, the public opinion and what the public will say, some people are still going to commit crime. At the time of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who is was the best of creation, in his society, there were people who stole, there were people who committed zina, there were people who, you know, committed Qadhf slander, there were people who committed, you know, all types of things. Okay, even apostasy, even leaving Islam, there are all types of crimes happening. So crime will happen. We can never eliminate it too totally. We can minimize it. So the one who Commits crime, Islam has, uh, and everyone knows that in the world, Islam has harsh punishments, especially for the big offenses. Okay, and these punishments act as a deterrent. These punishments, the whole concept of them, if we look at them, Allah Azza wa He told us, He said, "Walakum fil qisas." He said, when we look at qisas, retaliation. Okay, within that is haya. It's Hayah. within. If, if we look at this ayah initially, it doesn't make sense. Allah is saying, within the law of retaliation is life. So, within taking a life, you get more life. What does it mean? Allah says, this is what it Ya يَا albab, He asks, O people of understanding, realize this. Yeah? This is haya for you. Why? Because within this gives us a secret of the Islamic punishment system. That when you have a harsh punishment, okay? if people have a harsh punishment which is visible which is public which is known it acts as a deterrent that is the meaning of the ayah the meaning of the ayah: if people are afraid of what will happen to them they will stay away from it right so the punishments in the islamic society you know robbery is one of the biggest crimes we talked about in this society right hundred you know it's about eight hundred thousand something like that robbery that is in terms of the only the household then the car robbery is even more than that now when we look at that, in Islamic society, imagine, when we look at the punishments of Islam, the, the deterrent is so strong that these robbers today, they go in and out of prison. They, even they themselves, if you look at the prison system in this country, they say it's a failure. They themselves, they know. They say most of the criminals, they've been convicted before. Prison is a school. Prison is a school. They go into prison. They learn from other convicts how to do further things. They come out, they do more. It's a school in islamic society it doesn't work like that robbery you'll see people without hands walking around right that is a deterrent within the society It's a deterrent if you think that will happen one of those robbers in the prison you amputate the hand you walk out he's not going to come back right so when we look at islamic punishment especially the hudud of allah they are harsh but they are a massive deterrent. So let us look at the categories. So within the Islamic punishment system, in the media, they only portray it like you know Alibaba and the Forty Thieves, one guy in the market chasing a young boy who stolen an apple with a big sword to cut his hand. Islamic punishment system is not like that at all. Okay, the punishment system in Islam, there are different categories. So the first category, category is known as hudud of Allah, the limits of Allah, the hudud. The hudud punishments are the harshest, but the burden of proof for them is also the highest. They, they are known as the rights of Allah, which nobody can forgive. You cannot forgive those. Okay? They have to be executed, and we will talk about those categories. So that's the first one. Okay? Those are specific punishments that Allah has revealed in the Quran and the Sunnah, that we have to implement. There is no forgiveness. You cannot. The Khalifa or the Sultan or the Qadi, the judge cannot just say, oh no, that you are forgiven. It doesn't work like that. Those have to be implemented. The second one is known as the ta'azir. The ta'azir is something which is a sin. Something, something which is a masya, It's a sin. Somebody is committing a sin. Like for example, uh, you know, abandoning salah or swearing at someone. Now they commit a sin, but that sin, there is no Kafara for it. You know, there are some sins that if you break the fast intentionally, there's a Kafara. There's a way out. You know, you feed, you, you feed the poor and so on, there's a way out. You get expiation. If there are many sins, there is no kafara. There is a kafara in the dunya, that kafara is a punishment. So Rasul wasallam, he told us in a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, okay, so he said, uh, so whoever fulfills amongst you, his reward is with Allah, and whoever does anything of that and is punished for it, then it's an expiation, a kafara for him. Okay, so the punishment in the dunya is a kafara, it's an expiation of the sin, it's a way out that sin gets removed from you. So within that, in the Ta'zir law, the Ta'zir is known as the rights of the community. Where Allah has not legislated a detailed punishment, He has left it to the Qadi, the judge, to decide a fitting punishment. Okay? Uh, And there is a fitting punishment according to certain guidelines. So the Qadi looks at the the circumstance and gives a punishment. It could be imprisonment, it could be other things. Okay? So this is known as the Ta'zir. Then there is the next category, the, the jinayat, or some people call it kisas. The jinayat are to do with the rights of the individual. The rights of the individual have been revealed by Allah, and the punishment has been revealed. There is one difference between the jinayat and the hudud, is that the jinayat can be forgiven by the one who is wronged, or the family of the one who is wronged. So for example, murder. Murder, it's mentioned in the Qur'an, either there is retaliation, or there can be, the, they yeah, are blood money, so the family can say, you know, we want the blood money. For a person, it's one the equivalent of hundred camels. If you calculate that today in pounds, it comes into hundreds of thousands of pounds. A lot of money, right? So, you know, the that but can be also forgiven by the individual or the family. Okay, that is the difference. So the difference between the hudud law and the jinayat and the jinayat Rasulullah has specified for each part of the body. He has specified this many camels, or the value of this many camels for each eye, the value for this, for that, for the different limbs of the body. Okay, this is the jinayat. So that is when somebody commits a, a, a crime. And the fourth category is known as the muhalafat those areas where people are the rights of the state, like speed limit, for example. Right? If, you know, if somebody is driving in an Islamic state, the khalifa can set a speed limit. He can have administrative laws. To make sure there's regulation in the society, you must obey him in that. Rasul said, you know, uh, about obeying the Amir, that you should give the obedience to the Amir. Do not separate yourself from the Amir. So, there is a concept of obeying the Amir. If you disobey that, there is a punishment, but it's a lesser punishment. Maybe it could be fine, it could be other things, right? So, it is not ca- classified as an original sin, it is a sin from the perspective of disobedience to the Khalifa. So when we look at these, I will go through some of them, so some of the hudud, so people are aware of that, the evidence, so that we realize the, the punishment is comprehensive in Islam. It's not how it's portrayed in the media. Okay? So if we look at, you know, some of this, um, so let's take the, the, the one of theft, which is the people are very scared about uh, in the media. So you have uh, you know allah talks about the to cut the hand was to cut the hand of the thief so people assume it means now any young boy stealing something or, uh, you know a mouse from the shop his hand will be cut no we have to look at how the islamic law has come in detail there are seven conditions for cutting the hand of the thief okay rasul in the sunnah he established the conditions for example there must be two witnesses with no contradiction or error in their testimonies okay there must be independent witnesses who see that it cannot be witnesses who are biased ali radiAllahu anh, we know his uh, armor was stolen he had two witnesses his servant and his son al kafal even though he was the khalifa of the muslims al- you know the qadi sorry qadi al he said to him no no this is not valid they are not independent I cannot accept that. Even though he said, no, my armor has been stolen by one of the Yahud, one of the Jews. So that was it, the first. The second one, the value of the stolen goods must exceed one quarter of a dinar in value. So that's 4.25 grams of gold. A bar is not that much. Right? The value of gold, 4.25 grams of gold, you calculated, it must be more than that, the value. If it's less than that, there's no cutting. It is tazir. It comes in tazir there'll be another punishment okay but it's not cutting it cannot be food it cannot be food so if somebody is hungry they steal food their hand is not cut there could be another punishment it cannot be from the thief's family so it could be shubha somebody takes something from a family it is a shubha there's a doubt in that it cannot be you know uh, it cannot be from a public place so it's not from the market so when we say theft we may theft from a secure place Right, So robbery, for example, in the common phraseology, it is more like robbery. You break into somebody's house and then you steal something. Okay, You break into a shop and you steal something. That is the condition. There should not be any shubha over it. There okay? uh, should not be any doubt over it. And it must be halal in nature. So these are some conditions of cutting the hand of the thief. Just to give us an understanding the comprehensiveness of the system. Okay, the other punishments in the hudud we know zina, wala do not approach zina, which is a big deterrent in Islam. Today, you know, honor of men and women is, is cheap. Okay, but in Islamic society, it protects the honor. You know, the, the men and women, their honor, their dignity is protected by law. It's such a huge thing. So, the punishment for the one who is not married is a hundred lashes, that is mentioned in the Quran. And the ones who are muhsan, who are married, it is stoning, it is death. Okay, so this is mentioned at the time of Rasul Sallallahu that they punished. Even the messenger in his time they punished the man and the woman who had committed zina. So there is punishment for, for that. The hudud, there is punishment for liwat, the action of the people of Qumilut. That comes into the hudud also. The qadaf, the false accusation. Look, this is an interesting one. In this society, if you try and accuse Google of something or Facebook of something, you'll be taken to court and prosecuted for defamation. You can, you can accuse anyone, you can, uh, you know, mother of anything and swear at people's families, nothing will happen to you. You can criticize and insult the Anbiya of Allah, nothing will happen to you. But if it's anything attached to money, you can be sued for defamation. Right? So look at what they honor. What do they honor? You can see what is important for them. Whereas qaddas in Islam, to just to accuse somebody, just to accuse somebody, so to the extent that a man came to Rasulullah sallam and he said he admitted himself he confesses I I committed zina with this woman okay so he has confessed so the Prophet and he was not he said I am not married okay I am not married the Prophet ordered for him to be lashed then he said bring before witnesses for the zina of the woman you are saying that you are accusing now that he named her you accuse the woman. That you committed zina with bring the witnesses because in islam the burden of proof is high for hudud law you need to have four witnesses who have seen that act which is very unlikely he said i cannot so the prophet ﷺ ordered him to be lashed uh, 80 lashes for qadas now now is false accusation you're accusing a woman without evidence right so in islam you cannot just accuse anyone right you have to have the four witnesses so they, the prosecution of by the law and the hudud punishment is there for that also Khamar, intoxication this society is a big problem everywhere you smell you're walking on the road you're smelling weed everywhere especially in East London everywhere outside the tube stops everywhere you know you see alcohol Friday night everywhere tonight they'll all be drunk on the road in Islam it protects the mind Islam protects the mind most, a lot of the crimes in this society, the amount of uh, you know domestic violence because of alcohol, they get drunk, come home, they beat their girlfriend, beat their wife, beat whoever. Okay? Islam forbids that from the society, for every, you know, it, 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 it prevents it from the society. So when we see that Khamar, Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is mentioned in a hadith in uh, Muslim, that the Prophet, he lashed 40, Abu Bakr lashed 40, mm-hmm. and Umar, he lashed 80 and all of them are from the sunnah. Okay, so the fuqaha, they, they differ upon the details because the Prophet ﷺ, he lashed with the two shoes. He took the two shoes and he beat the man who drank alcohol. So Umar Khattab, he said, okay, we'll replace the shoes with the lash. And because there are two, we'll make 80. You see, so there's some escalate in the number. But the 40 is, what is in the sunnah? And they say forty or more than forty. Okay, so that is another one of the hudud laws. Another one is herab, highway robbery. You know, today you have crime where people stop. In this country, it is less. In other countries, like in South Africa, it's a massive epidemic. In other countries, massive epidemic where you have highway robbery. They are on the road, they stop them, take the car, right? Just to take, they with a gun, they stop, take the car, things like that. So this one is mentioned in the Quran. There is harsh punishment. You cut the arm and the leg from opposite side. And depends what they've done. If they have just terrorized, then and, and they have stolen, then that has happened. Or if they kill somebody, then they are also crucified. It is mentioned in the Quran. They are killed by crucifixion. Imagine these things. Like for us, it sounds very very harsh. We have to realize the burden of proof is high. Secondly, it's a massive deterrent. Imagine you grow up in a society seeing those things. You will. It's, you. It's so terrified of even thinking about approaching that. Instead of today, you, you grow up, our children are living, listening to 50 Cent and, you know, all the two-pack and this, that. They think they, they want to be like the gangsters. They want to be like the gangster instead of being afraid of the crime, right? So the Islamic punishment works like this. And it's comprehensive as it says, not only the Hudud, all the, all the masia in the society, the Ta'zir as well you know, the, the Islamic system will look after. But remember, and we will end with this, the issue of crime and the punishment in Islam, is a last resort. Islam is not a police state, so we talked about, remember, taqwa number one. Number two, the issue of public opinion. Number three is punishment. So first of all, we want to stop people by these other mechanisms. And Rasulullah ﷺ, he told us, to free someone, criminal mistakenly, is better than to punish somebody innocent. So in Islam, we don't just go around punishing everyone like in America, just lock everyone up. No, in Islamic society, if there is a shubha, the qadi should forgive. Why? Because even if he is a criminal, he cannot hide from Allah on the day of judgment. Okay, if there is a shubha in the case, there is a doubt in the case, if you free him, even Rasulullah said, two of you may come in front of me, one of you is better convincing in argument, I may free him. If he is telling a lie, he is holding on to a piece of Jahannam, meaning Allah will catch him. So, you know, that is the concept in Islam and that is what we work for and Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi he told us that when the Khilafah in future comes, that the justice, you know, he said today we are born or there will come a time that you will be born into injustice and you will know nothing but injustice. But then justice will appear in the world and you will grow up then knowing only justice. That is the
0: time we are working for. Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir.